At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Tom, I thought you were running this thing. Well, I said I'd introduce Jason. I didn't oh, okay. say I would do oh, the okay. thanks for listening to Coronavirus, the podcast. <laughs> it's really funny. Have you ever seen the musical Newsies? I haven't. Okay, Jason. so in no. the in the aughts, or maybe even a little before that, Disney came out with a pretty terrible screen musical called Newsies about the newsboy or the news carrier strike of the turn of the century in New York, and it was called Newsies, and it was all about child labor. Well, my daughter... So it was the movie was kind of a bomb, but it became a hit on Broadway as a Broadway musical. So my daughter's high school um, produced it uh, this year, and we went and saw it, and it's my... Uh, my 10 year old, it's one of her favorite movies and musicals. So she really likes it. And everybody's got like a real thick New York accent in it. And there was a kid that was in my daughter's high school that just was hamming up his part the whole time. And one of the plot lines is a guy is, uh, the, the director of this newsboy strike is also an artist and he paints, uh, paints western landscapes that he's never seen and sunsets and stuff and so one of the lines is this guy with his really thick new york new york accent goes it was coronas so because he's talking about the coronas on the sun but like every time now when we talk about corona at our house it was like it was coronas just like that so you might want to restart (laughs) what (laughs) <laughs> you might want to restart this thing. Oh, no, absolutely not. This is a kind of hard-hitting news week. Yeah, this is what we do. Yeah. This is, yeah. <laughs> there's no bit of minutia too mundane for this podcast. <laughs> and we don't restart either. Yeah, and also, like, 
we skipped my upbringing of like we weren't recording when we were talking yeah, about me growing up, up in, in a in a cult in western Ohio. So there you go. <laughs> we yeah, skipped the good, uh, up. good stuff and yeah. and ended up with a two minute story about newsies. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So how are you guys holding up? So I'm holding up great, and uh, we have a special guest, Jason. And we'll protect his identity, so we'll just call him Jason because there's a lot of there's a lot of Jasons out it's out true. there. J- we're gonna go Jason X. Jason okay. X. All my right, brother, that sounds my brother's X. a Jason Smith, so you can uh, that 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 would be safe also because there's a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> so Jason's yeah, a good friend me, of mine. Yeah, thanks for being here. He's a uh, long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. I'll, I'll hang up and listen now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, um, let's see. I've known Jason a couple years. We're very involved in our kids' school and church, and he's just a cool guy. So I like talking sports with him. Um, and uh, yes, I want to invite him on for a pod, and so we can talk about anything. I got a, I got a <laughs> list. But the first thing I want to talk about, Jason, is. Uh, Jason's cousin scored a, um, a basketball signed by every member of the UD men's basketball team. And how much was Brian offered for it? Like, was it a thousand dollars or $500? He was offered $501. Okay. And one. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't know. I think somebody offered 500 and then the next person said, I'll go 501. (laughs) They did. They didn't say like five. Yeah, did, they, did they wait till there was like six seconds left in the bidding to, to submit their bid? Well, that's the interesting part because it never came up to bid. Okay. Yeah, so that's where we're so, going. Uh, so Brian did not ahead, sell it because he was thinking that if it was an item in a raffle, it would it would earn more. But now that raffle um, isn't going to happen. Because of what, Nate? The Coronas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we'll be tapping that in a lot tonight. Uh, um, yeah. So, so what's he going to do now? I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm trying to understand. Like, would its value actually go up? Because well, Dayton they are fans... co-national champions right now. So, yeah, with everyone else. Exactly. So, um, I think the you... I think the value of the ball goes up because it's going to be known as the what if year for okay. state and basketball. I, I, okay. Um, that probably is actually true. That's yeah. interesting. You know, it's going to be, if, if, if the tournament had played out, was this going to be the year, you know, the year of the mid-major, there's been the Butlers, yeah. there's been, you know, all the other mid-major teams and this could have been Dayton's year. So I think in the Dayton fan base, it's going to be the what if year and it's going to drive the price of it up. Okay. It could. So. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like the face of all sports is going to change, especially basketball and college basketball and the NBA is going to change as we know it before, you know, we're having regular games again. Then we, we haven't figured out what the new normal is going to be or even when the new normal is going to be. So it, it it is definitely going to be a historical year. I, I would say that the value probably goes up. Um, is it, is it authentic? That's, that's the, I mean, does he have like certificate <laughs> yeah. of authenticity and all that? 
Yeah, it's authentic. It's in a nice case, the whole nine yards. So. Nice. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like, I mean, on <laughs> the, the the only possible caveat being that we end up in a post-apocalyptic hellscape, then the, the ball probably doesn't have that much value. But other than that, I think it's it's probably a good investment at this point. So. Or we have massive inflation and the value skyrockets, but uh, that's that's also a possibility. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, that's a real possibility. So here's yeah. the important question, Tom. Yes. How's the TP situation? Okay. So it was dire until about two hours ago. Um, I came up, Jason, after installing my my saw on that stand you gave me. I, I walk upstairs and Melanie goes, check the front door. And I was like, okay. And then I look and there's a 48 pack of Cottonelle courtesy of, see if you can guess, Jason, who delivered that to me. Uh, I'm going to say Jesse Mackey. Absolutely correct. You got it. Isn't that dude the best? What, what, what do you yeah, just have is. like a network of guys that hook you up? Well, okay, so there's this guy Jesse, and I'll let I'll let Jason, you know, he might have better stories than me, but he's another dad, you know, he's got daughters that line up with Dad Mafia. You know, nice. Yeah, pretty much. He's got daughters that line up with mine and Jason's daughters. So, you know, we all know each other pretty well and he lives pretty close by. But I mean, this dude is like he had a rough twenty nineteen. It felt like his house was crumbling and all his appliances were breaking and you know, but he keeps a positive attitude, and he's just always helping people. So when we had those tornadoes come through, he did a lot to help a lot of people. Um, and so, yeah, he, you know, just a really nice guy. But yeah, when I when I found that out, I was really touched. So I, I'm looking forward to uh, to paying back Jesse a little bit, doing something nice for him. But I don't know if you got any funny stories about him. But what a what a what a guy! Just one that dovetails with that. You know, when the tornadoes came through. Um, you know, and, and we were out just there. For those of you guys listening, Sorry. Tom and Jason live in Southwest Ohio, so they're talking about the tornadoes. I think last year that hit uh, was, it was it Memorial Zena? Day. Was it? Yeah, it hit Memorial yeah. Day. It yep. hit Beaver Creek pretty hard. Yeah, um, Beaver Beaver Creek more more. Okay. Yeah. So so there, there's another set of parents that uh, that have kids in school with uh, Tom's kids and my kids, and uh, they had some really extensive damage of trees on their property and we went over to give them a hand cleaning some of that up and Jesse was over there uh chainsaw in hand cleaning things up over there and actually took some of the logs that we that, uh, were cut down from the tornado and had them milled into lumber and then used that lumber to make a dining room table for another family that had lost everything in the tornado. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. the guy's just, you know, heart of gold and always looking out to do something for somebody else. Yeah. It, that's it the is kind of guy amazing the, like, what you see, what people do when crises hit and when times are hard. And it's like, you can, it's every walk of life. There's good people and people that always look out for themselves. And I feel like you can never predict who those people are going to be. I mean, I it just it just amazes me the quality of some people in the world. It is is really impressive. So we'll just we'll just leave yeah. it at that and and not explore the opposite phenomenon. But 
Um, well, no, although, I mean, you did got a rant talk about, about it stuff, a little Nate. bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can't just, this can't be a pot all positive podcast. So with that in <laughs> mind, why the heck can I not buy basic things at grocery stores three weeks later? Like, I don't get it. I mean, are people just continuously hoarding toilet paper, milk, butter, wipes like i get the first week i i sort of got midway through the second week but here we are third week and kroger still doesn't have any of this stuff and i go around to all these other stores and they don't have any of it is everyone just literally filling their house with toilet paper because i don't think the toilet paper industry is having a downturn right now I, I i figured this would stabilize at a certain point but i guess it hasn't so any insights into why that is so it's it's a there's a couple reasons one is that most stores do not carry the inventories that they have in the past. Um, you know, basically everything, we've gone to a just-in-time retail economy, and just the inventories just were not there like they were in the past. And so what, what generally happens is for what they call CPG, uh, consumer processed goods, the stores don't hold inventory the inventory is usually held in vendor controlled warehouses so you might have a toilet paper company that ships that sells toilet paper their big stock of their outstanding orders is not in their factory and it's not at the grocery store it is at intermediate warehouses basically so there's an intermediate step that Basically, they have to hold on to their inventory, but they don't want to keep too much inventory because that goes, there's depreciation on that. So that's one of the reasons is basically we're in a just-in-time economy. Uh, there's also a transportation crisis right now where it is hard to get the stuff from the warehouse to the grocery stores. Um, and then, yes, absolutely, people are hoarding essentials and... So I did a little bit of research before this, and it's basically the same thing that happened in World War II, is World War II, people started hoarding the same essentials, um, and one of the reasons toilet paper is so crazy is there's literally no substitute. Like, you can't get milk, okay, you, you can live without milk, you'll buy some cheese, or, you know, you'll put apple juice on your cereal, or something like that, or you can, <laughs> gross it, it's gross but no i get you know, what you're you, saying you can you live can, but literally toilet hurt. paper is like yeah you, you know there's no substitute <laughs> the only substitute is lower ply toilet paper which you just use more of and if you got a septic tank you know as well as i do you can't use napkins or paper towels <laughs> or you're just asking for trouble so no it's just there's no substitute for toilet paper. So that's one of the big reasons. And people are absolutely hoarding. People are buying big quantities, hoping to cash out. You've seen it on hand sanitizer. You've seen it on. Uh... Wait, to cash out? You mean people are selling aftermarket retail oh, products? Yeah. So, oh, my God. Black yeah, market toilet paper. Yeah. Oh, and my <laughs> No, it's absolutely true. Yeah, there was a leader. There was a two-liter bottle of hand sanitizer went for forty-five bucks on Amazon before they busted the guys. <laughs> it oh was, um, it's just crazy all the different stuff. And so basically, the Fed has sent a proactive cease and desist order to basically all the online uh, resellers like Amazon and Walmart. Walmart has a reseller, 
network, uh, eBay, to basically stop these people from doing it because they don't want to play whack-a-mole with all these little people. There was a Air Force guy that bought 160,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. Or was it 160,000 or maybe it was 16,000? I think it was 16,000. And planned on selling it a huge re- markup and they basically just raided his warehouse and cited, Good. uh, they cited, uh, anti hoarding laws. And those exist. Well, yes. people, aren't, people aren't enforcing those where I'm at because well, man, that, it's hard to find stuff. Well, so they can't really get people that are hoarding for personal use. They can't get the small timers. They can get the guy getting 160,000 right, liters exactly. left. And this is exactly why um, black markets uh, developed in uh, you know both of the last. Uh, especially World War II and also, you know, later stages of the the Great Depression. And it's also, but the other issue is we're not making any less of that. I mean, there is some impacts to transportation in the warehouse industry and the CPG industry, but people are just buying more. And part of that is uncertainty because no one knows how long this is going to last. Is it going to be two weeks is it going to be two months? The other thing is they tell everybody you need two weeks worth of goods, uh, you know, to shelter in place. But the problem is, is nobody knows what two weeks really is. It's really they're buying more like two months. So that that's the other other issue that comes up. I mean, from the research I did and, you know, an industry I work in, we don't make toilet paper, but um, we do deal with the grocery industry. So it, it, it's definitely a very weird time. Well, uh, when does that, I mean, I, I, I would assume in the past, most incidents like this were fear that the supply would go down, but that's no one. I don't, I wouldn't assume anyone's afraid that we're going to stop making toilet paper. I, I haven't heard. I think it. there is a fear of that. And as the longer this goes on and the more the caseload grows, it isn't just that you're not going to be able to make toilet paper, but maybe you don't feel like you can safely go out to buy toilet paper, or maybe you don't trust that the toilet paper that's delivered to your house is going to be, you know, infection free, I guess, that, you know, somebody with the coronas didn't touch your boxes. Yeah, that were well, it's probably ridiculous, but I wiped down every single thing that I got from the grocery store today with wet wipes. Mm-hmm. I literally opened up boxes of cereal, spilled out the bags, threw out the cardboard boxes, right? Yeah. I spent an hour doing this, killing my back, the whole time thinking, like, I might be crazy I just really don't want to get this right now, and I don't want anyone in my family to get it. This seems really ridiculous. So you know what you need, Tom. And then I walk inside, and my four-year-old is literally getting his face right up against my six-year-old and giving her raspberries, and I almost lost my mind. (laughs) I was like, stop spraying spit in each other's faces. And everyone looked at me like, what the hell's wrong with dad? Yeah, I've had <laughs> many of those, like, what the hell's wrong with my father looks from, uh, you know, unless you count my dog who who is gelded, uh, I'm the only male in the house. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've definitely gotten a lot of those looks. So. I feel your pain, Nate. I'm the same way. Yeah, Jason, how's the uh, homeschooling experience going? I, I noticed the... Uh, 
an upside down Ooh. flag. Come, you know, <laughs> there was a picture on the internet of smoke <laughs> coming out of your house. <laughs> Everything going okay? Yeah, the kids called it a bomb threat <laughs> to the homeschool. <laughs> no, you know, uh, last week it was it was a little rough. So I've got three daughters, uh, uh, eight, six, and four, and uh, last week was a little rough. Um, I'm not used to being a school teacher. But we've kind of um, gotten into a bit of a rhythm, and quite frankly, I'm trying to get them to do as much as they can without really stressing them out. Um, we're fortunate enough, we live in a very rural area, so on a day-to-day basis, when my kids are outside, they don't see anything different. So they're completely oblivious to, how do you say it, Nate? The, the Corona. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're completely oblivious to it. So, um, you know, that's fortunate. Uh, we're just trying to do as many small tasks as we can. And we take lots of breaks. And we're not trying to, uh, I'm certainly not trying to get in uh, an eight-hour school day in what they're doing. I'm more concerned with them, especially the past two days when the weather's been fantastic to be outside they're outside they're riding their bikes they're playing amen but, yeah we've we been, put together uh sorry, all four of those birdhouses last night awesome yeah and johnny can really hammer man he's a hammering machine <laughs> he was having fun how old how old yeah. is johnny now he just turned four wow that's hard to believe it is hard it, to believe it, it feels johnny like is you know who johnny is nate go little rocket YOLO rocket, yeah. Yeah, I just can't believe he's four already. It's like time, time just flies by. It really does. Um, no, it's crazy. So my daughters, fortunately, have been on spring break all week, and the teachers before this week had like a good week's worth of lessons uh, to kind of you know get the homeschooling thing going, and then, but. I, I've been informed that I am going to be a part-time school teacher come Monday for my ten-year-old at least. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But I, I think she'll do okay. She's she's kind of a digital native. So, and I don't know. Do either of you guys have a switch? No. So, but I've uh, heard everyone's playing Animal Crossing. Oh, that is yeah. My my kids are. It it has saved us from the ravages <laughs> of boredom of building your little. Uh, house. Um, it's actually a pretty, pretty neat game, and I love the fact that my kids love it, and it's completely non-violent, and I mean, it is violent against fish, so if you're a PETA person, it's not for you, but... <laughs> <laughs> because you fish We've in had the game. Some pretty... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've had some pretty uh, intense not... battleship wars over here. Nice. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually dusted off the Nintendo Wii, and so we've been playing Wii nice. Sports and we sports resorts. That's been fun. Oh yeah, the sword fighting. Yep, yep, the sword <laughs> fighting, the bowling, the hundred pin bowling. They really like. Oh yeah, bowling's a lot of fun. That's oh, hundred pin bowling. I do love hundred yeah. pin bowling. Uh huh. Yeah. You know what Johnny does? A little bugger tries to throw it out of bounds, which you can actually do if you get all the way to the right and you release it high and put <laughs> spin on it. It goes over the railing, which I'm surprised the game even allows you to do. That's he awesome. just does that. And then he loses, and then he gets upset that he lost. It's like, bro, 
You literally just trolled everyone and made us sit here and watch you do this, and now you're upset you didn't win? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. He's like 100% boy, isn't he? It's just like... (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I... uh, It's... It's been pretty subdued. My 10-year-old was going crazy today because we didn't... She didn't go for a walk. Uh, We've been walking at least twice a day, try to walk around a mile each time. Nice. Unfortunately, she didn't go do that this afternoon, and then she just wanted me to dance with her (laughs) for like a half hour before dinner, and I was trying to read a book, and it's like, no, I'm trying to read. He's like... And literally, this is the first novel I've probably read in three years. So it's like, I f- really feel like, you know, with all this time on my hands, I should actually read a novel. But no, that didn't happen. So <laughs> I ended up dancing with her. So, but it was, it was good times. Yeah, good I mean, Look at you, super dad. Oh, I try. Yeah. But it's, I, I am lucky because my 16 year old is pretty much self-sufficient at home except for the occasional emotional breakdown but <laughs> which you guys which you guys get to look forward to but yeah yes yeah. oh let, we get emotional breakdowns now don't worry yeah but yeah. they're not they're not the same topics that's no sure, and but... you don't have the raging hormones <laughs> that's probably true yeah <laughs> that, that that becomes the issue <laughs> i mean yeah i'm not looking forward to that no it no nope. it, it, it's something else so <laughs> So it's interesting, but yeah, right. I mean, we're holding up pretty good. So, so if you guys were gambling men, where would you put your money right now with all this Coronas? So I don't know. Uh, I was talking. So I do have a a crazy story. Um, not really crazy, but like early last week, I'm working at home and I just start to just start smelling something and it just doesn't smell good. And I'm literally like scouring my living room. Cause I think the dog had an accident somewhere and I can't figure out where it was. I'm just like, I can't figure out what the smell is. I can't figure out what this smell is. And I'm just looking everywhere. And then finally, like two days later, as this smells getting worse and worse, I find stock. No, no, no. So I finally am sniffing, near my fireplace oh my god something died in my chimney is i figure out this is what this is so i'm like i'm torn now because i really don't want to have to call someone have them come in my house you know especially in these times a man's home is his castle you know it's (laughs) my refuge and uh but i'm like well here's the problem if i open the flu and i try and fish this thing out and it's like too high to get or I can't get it or whatever. The house is going to smell even worse. So I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm basically doing some risk and that, you know, risk management yeah. math. Here, yeah. And I'm like, basically, okay, I'm going to have to call somebody, get somebody out. So I finally get somebody out here today. He comes in and he's like, yeah, I, I can do it. I'll charge you such and such. And so he opens it up and then the, like after just rooting around in my chimney for a good 10, 15 minutes, he pulls out the biggest freaking squirrel I've ever seen just falls <laughs> right out right of my fireplace. And I, I'm kicking myself. I didn't take a picture of this thing because that could be our title pick, but it was, it was enormous. And then I'm like talking to my daughter later. And she's like, well, yeah, it's been up there for a week and a half. It's probably all bloated. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that is true. So anyway, 
he starts talking stock tips with me. No way. <laughs> and the he's kidney like, sweep? Yeah, he's like crazy into stock trading. And he's, he's like, like yeah. a day trip. Um I I I bought a whole bunch of stock the last few days when the market was really down. And so I got uh Carnival Cruise Lines at nine bucks and now it's trading at eighteen. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, and he's trying to pump me for info on the company I work on, work for, and I'm uh, like, oh, we're 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 doing okay. I'm, it's just weird times. We'll we'll see what happens. Our stock has swung twenty percent each direction. It it's definitely been odd. I I don't know what to tell you, but <laughs> and then so then he's like, yeah, and then I bought Debold, and it's 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 I've been taking my lumps on that. It's it's still down it's still down to like five bucks and I don't know if it's gonna go back up and then he's like my brother he's got a million dollars in the stock market he's shitting his britches right now <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so it was crazy and then of course at the time I'm like all my daughters are upstairs because I'm like well I don't want you guys here why the next guy's here because I don't know who he is. Plus, if he's contagious or something, I don't want you around him, whatever. And it was all perfectly fine, but it's also like, you know, I also feel like, you know, on one hand, it's perfectly normal. On the other hand, it's like the scene from Red Dawn when he's got his nieces in the basement and he's guarding them with a shotgun. So it's like, <laughs> it's just super <laughs> strange times we live in. So anyway, so that was the my, the dead yeah. squirrel and the stockbroker in my living room that also, yeah, would not have, also would not was have a chimney sweep. Would not have pegged the pest control kim- chimney sweep to be a uh, a day, a day trader. trader. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but he doubled his money on carnivals. So there's your which which of course everybody's irritated about the cruise industry getting bailouts because literally none of their ships are registered in the U.S. and they don't pay U.S. taxes on that stuff. So. I could see where people could be annoyed, but I haven't heard whether they're getting bailouts or not, but I've heard that. Well, that is annoying. I don't think cruise ships. Well, right, let's dovetail into my next topic area, okay. which is we talk about in essential, you know, workers. What about essential industries? I mean, well, chimney sweeping, I, I didn't think it was, but apparently it, it, it is. Yeah, no, it is. But clearly, you know. Um, people spending their disposable income, you know, you could argue is going to always be, um, industries that are also discretionary. So we've got cruise lines, but what about professional sports? And do you guys think that this whole thing will recenter everyone? Because in my opinion, the money and the salaries have just gotten out of control. Like, I mean, just thinking back to, Dan Gilbert bought the Cavs for what, like three hundred million or something in the early aughts, and now they're probably worth a billion or something insane like that. They're probably not worth that anymore. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, is there going to be sort of a reckoning where? Oh, there absolutely is going to be a reckoning in the NBA. I mean, I think every non-player basically that has a salary of over a hundred thousand, I think, took a twenty percent pay cut in the NBA. I heard. And I mean that hundred thousand is an arbitrary number. I just threw it out there. They said people making, you know, the higher salaries is what what the article said. So they've taken a twenty percent pay cut. The NBA 
is going to have to completely refigure everything because all their salary cap numbers are based on previous year calculations. But obviously, the next calendar year isn't going to be nearly as profitable as this calendar year was, or at least the first 75% of this calendar year. So it's definitely going to be different. I don't think the... So the weird thing is the NFL... With all this, the players took a new labor deal, um, and they've gone to a 17-game season, I think, after this coming year. So I don't think anything's happening to the NFL, at least not in the short term. Um, I do think there's a chance they're playing NFL games in front of empty stadiums this fall, but it's really hard to predict what's going to be happening two weeks from now, let alone, you know, eight months from now. So Right. I, I just think that it was unsustainable on an unsustainable trajectory. You can't just keep on accelerating at the pace it was the value for forever. I mean, it's it's a known commodity, right? It's not some new novel thing. It's just pro, I, just pro sports. I would think that, except for the fact that my opinion on all this bailout stuff is it's actually going to. We basically are backstopping six trillion dollars in business loans with a 500 million 500 billion dollar first loss position uh by the u.s taxpayer um and what that's gonna do is basically even exacerbate uh wealth inequality in the u.s even more and because of that there's only 30 nba teams and if there's even more super rich people and even more people at the top have more money. These things are status symbols. They're still going to be valuable. I mean, obviously, if there's a new normal around, you know, social distancing and all that, that changes the equation a little bit um, or maybe a lot. But the other thing that we're seeing is live sports is absolutely still something I think everybody's going to be craving coming out of this. I think their ratings might even be up coming out of this. So it, it'll it be interesting to see the cord cutting and the economic upheaval versus the pent up demand for sports, you know, when we yeah. come out of this. So I don't know. It will be interesting. Yeah. What are you, what, what's your thought? Todd? You, you obviously feel like a, well, a just, realignment is in order. I do. I think, and I, I, I know it's a loose, you know, relationship, but, the NBA was exposed last summer over the Daryl Morey tweet, um, <laughs> you know, just constantly looking to grow via the Chinese market. Um, and I think that turned off a lot of American fans. But, you know, we, we get over stuff pretty easily here. Uh, we're not super ideological about stuff. But I just wonder if it's not going to be some kind of anger. It'll just be when we all come out of this. You know, people will have less disposable income, arguably, and they will have gone without it for a long. Sometimes you need sort of a purge to realize you don't really care that much about certain things. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And like you said, there'll be just this. People will be dying for for live sports again, and ticket prices will go up, and there'll be more demand than ever. I, I don't know, but I could totally see a future where, um people just look at a lot of different things as being, you know, not that important. Um, it, it, this is, I don't think it's going to get to this level, but you could look at kind of um, the different advanced countries during the twenties 
and how decadent they were. And then after the depression, you know, there was a whole generation that was not about a lot of that stuff. Cause it just, it wasn't essential. It wasn't, you know, they remembered the hard times. It made them maybe a little bit mentally stronger. They weren't looking to be entertained all the time. Well, so, you can say the counterpoint to that is that we're living through the 1916 pandemic right now, which did correspond with World War One. But there was a huge amount of pent up demand coming out of the pandemic. And that's what led to the roaring true. 20s or one of the things that led to the roaring 20s. And then coming out of that, it was that's when the Great Depression really happened. So there was a. There was an upward trajectory again before that downward trajectory. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I think esports um, will get a boon from all of this. I think a lot of, I think some esports. I'm a huge fan of Rocket League esports. It's very exciting to watch. I think. <laughs> I, I mean, it really is. I think. I'm, I'm not um, arguing with you. I'm just. I'm or, or laughing at you. I just you delight me. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, but I think over time those. Esports, they'll get more organized. They'll they'll figure out. They, they they really don't understand right now how to engage fans. That's obvious to me. So it's and, only and how people. To monetize it, yeah. No, it's only people that already enjoy the games that watch, and that of course, um, that that has limited value because even if like I mean I play Rocket League, I'm not into. I don't watch any other esports. Like I don't watch, you know, whatever. Um, all the other ones that people play because I don't play those games. So I'm just not that interested in it, but some of them are very exciting. And I think um, that could really take off. And as the prize pools get bigger, it'll create more interest among young people to, to get involved, to try to become professional gamers. And I mean, you could just watch it from home, right? You don't got to go anywhere. So it'd be interesting to see if that starts cutting into pro sports bottom line at all um just taking people's attention away i don't know what do you think jason you think we two three years from now um pro sports will be worth more money players will have even bigger contracts or do you think it'll have kind of a uh it'll it'll just i don't know reset a little bit so first off do i get kicked off if i have to ask you what rocket league is <laughs> see <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm being you get an award. You get an award. This is fantastic. Just, uh, just say okay, boomer. Yeah, okay, it's, boomer. Imagine yeah. you have RC cars, and you're trying to use them to knock a soccer ball into a net, and now give them rocket boosters so that they can fly. That's basically it, and it's a video game. So you watch people play this video game? Well, I play it, and yes, I actually do watch it. It's, every, it's on every weekend. There's an a, there's a North American and a European tournament. Um, it's ongoing right now, and yeah, I mean, I think it's riveting. I mean, if it, I I could totally understand if you haven't played the game, you wouldn't be able to appreciate how good these players are. You might just be kind yeah. of, you might just find it. Like too much going on. There's just just too much activity. It's kind of giving me a headache, kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think it's it's really good drama. I think it's again, and I think if they can figure out, see, part of the problem is that in esports, in many cases, 
you don't have household names because the turnover is incredible. So people that today are like, this is the best player in the world a year from now might not even be a pro. Like they might have already been exceeded by so many other people. The pace at which people improve is drastically um, accelerated compared to, you know, a lot of people would argue that, okay, a lot of baseball players from like, you know, 1930 probably wouldn't be pros today. They, they don't, they're not strong. They're not that fast. They were drinking beer and eating hot dogs and smoking cigars. <laughs> but a lot of people are like, you know what? Babe Ruth definitely would still play. And yeah, there Luke are Garrett some, would have been, there yeah. are some players and some pitchers that would still play today. Um, but the barrier to entry was probably lower back then. You had less people trying to play, sure. you know, you didn't, you, but with <laughs> all the best players sports, were in the Negro leagues. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. I mean, that's a legitimate historical argument. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not. They, well, I'll, I'm not trying to be extra woke here. That's uh, more than one historian agrees with me that. <laughs> okay. That. That was one issue was that if if they'd all played in the same league, the there would have been fewer white players in Major League Baseball at the time. But there was two separate leagues. So. OK, well, that fair. So with esports, right, there's a billion Steam accounts. Right. So, I mean, I play this game. All kinds of people play this game. There, the population is just so immensely high. It costs 20 bucks. It, it they have it for every game system and PC. It's, so if you, it's free on most of your subscription services now. Like if you have Xbox Game Pass or sure PS yeah. Game Pass, they, it's included on most of them. So if you watch like pros two years ago and you watch like the championship game, um, you know pros today, like two years later, would would laugh at a lot of that as being uh, archaic gameplay they have what they call the meta meta which stands for most effective tactics available or sometimes techniques available and that changes so quickly and so not only do you have literally 14 year olds and the esports world has not figured out i think the cutoff right now for a lot of these tournaments is like you got to be 16 to play um to get you know paid but you get these 14 year olds that are totally dominant and their mechanics are unrivaled and they'll knock off the 22 year old that was the best player in the world last year or something. It's just, it's really crazy to see how you could get to the very top of the mountain. And then like with, you would never really see that in pro sports. You would never see like Giannis won't be out of the league in two years. You know what I mean? Um, But you can see that kind of stuff in esports a lot. So that's tough. The other problem is people don't use their actual names. So when you watch these players, when you watch them um, online, you're seeing their cars. You hear people talking about them. They have some funky, you know, call sign type name. You hardly ever actually see what they really look like or really sound like. And then you're very underwhelmed when you do meet them because they're these really out of shape, kind of awkward 18 year old white kids or Korean. And uh, now the Koreans that that's the running joke is that when the Koreans um discover Rocket League it's over because they oh, haven't okay. gotten into so it. It's not popular in South Korea, got it. It's not. It's not um <laughs> but anyway, so if they can figure out some of these things to engage fans more, I think it has a ton of potential because it's just really an exciting game. And they haven't really changed the game like the physics or anything in the 4 years it's been out. 
It's just really well designed. It's very simple. It's easy to understand. And you can actually watch it and know what's going on. That's another problem is a lot of esports, you're like, what the heck is going on? You know, where you, yeah. you, you've got all these different armies attacking other armies. You don't really know what's happening. And yeah, it helps to have an announcer flipping out. But you're like, I, you know, this, if you understand soccer, you understand like, or hockey even, you can watch this and understand like what's happening. So it's very exciting to watch. So yeah, I don't even cool. know why we we're talking about this. Oh, because I think that esports is going to take off. And I think that stuff like this, which where no one can watch pro sports live, they may turn to it a little more. And I think a lot of things like that, I think working from home, I think a lot of these things are forced experiments right now. Yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see when things go back to some semblance of normalcy, will companies be like, well, it didn't affect our bottom line and all that we sent everyone home. Why are we paying this outrageous lease for this office building? You know? Um, Yeah. It could be interesting. I don't know. I, I, but I think that's definitely a possibility. Nobody knows what that's going to be like. And I mean, I'm gearing up for at least two months of this, probably three. Yeah. Um, Sounds about right. And, and I'm very fortunate that I can do almost one. I'm almost more effective at home than I am in the office, um, mainly because there's fewer distractions. Um, yeah. At, at least when my kids are actually doing their work. Um, right. <laughs> but and, Jason's like, uh, yeah, not no, at my house. Yeah, no, I get it. And I have, Polar opposite. I have people that I work with. It was like, literally, there's just kids coming in screaming in their video in the, in the yeah, back of yeah. there. And we all like, like you just, I had one the other day, this woman, she just had to put herself on mute because this kid is just sitting in her lap, just screaming red faced at the top of her lungs. And we're all like, oh, we'll get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> the nice thing is, is everybody's being super empathetic and understanding and, yeah, you know, that, For that now. that's what For the now. good thing. I, I think that's going to, I, I'm fortunate that I, I work for a pretty good company that that's pretty much the norm. Um, rather than places that it isn't so i'm i'm fortunate there but hopefully other companies are being like that i i don't know how you couldn't be it it it's going to be interesting i mean i don't think anybody can say what the future holds and that that gets to one of your uh other things that you wanted to talk about tom black swan events Oh yeah, yeah. Black Swan and, events, and and I was I don't know like you talking about the sports thing. I've been thinking for a while, and it's something one of these things that you don't want to say out loud. And obviously, nobody ever wanted this, but you know, yeah, you see, hear about people paying two billion for a sports team, or just all the insane stuff that you can spend your money on right now. And I was like, man, we really need maybe we need a recession to reset a little bit in this country and then i'm like and then of course when it gets here it's like oh god no what did i wish you know what what was i thinking this was a terrible idea so and it all Hmm. obviously it just hurts the people that are kind of lowest on the economic spectrum disproportionately anyway so that that's probably not the the best analogy but there's certainly people in economics that say you know you need to have a recession every now and again because otherwise you just uh get to the you know the ben bernanke irrational exuberance um (laughs) and 
I, I certainly think there's, and that's where bubble markets come up and it, you know, when things just, when the price, like you said, just keeps going up, up and up, it's not a sustainable enterprise and it'll be interesting to see what comes out of everything. I'm, I'm concerned. Let's just put it that way, but I don't want to make this a political podcast either. So what I, a couple of years ago, I worked for a, a guy, he was an SES, which is basically like a civilian general, um, in the, in the department of defense. And, uh, you know, real super interesting, very valuable guy. And he had these sort of like sage like qualities where he had these different nuggets of wisdom. He'd like to try to impart at various times. And sometimes it, you know, really resonated. Sometimes I was just like, Whatever you say, man, I don't I don't know where you're going with this, but I remember one time he was talking to me about the movie Shrek and he's like, You know who my favorite character in that movie is? And I was like, No, I mean the, like the donkey? I don't know. <laughs> he's like, how could you how could no. the answer not be the donkey? I don't, I don't know. It's the donkey. Said, That's the answer. No, he said his he said his favorite um character in the movie is Lord Farquaad. King Farquaad. And, or is it Lord? I think, I think it's Lord Farquaad. Oh, now I got to look this up. Okay, keep talking. He's like, who's like the bad guy, right? Um, and then he would, you know, very uh, slyly grin, would look at me and say, "Do you want to know why Lord Farquaad is the best character in or, in Shrek?" And I said, "No." And he said, "Well, because he's the only one that had to try to deal with a Black Swan event, to deal with that dragon." And so, you know, it's easy to turn him into the villain, but um, you drop a dragon on anyone's doorstep and, <laughs> you know, they're going to panic and things are going to go badly. So you got to sort of like grade on a curve. And I remember him explaining this and I was like, oh, OK, sir. You know, like, you say, I'm not a big wow. Shrek fan anyway, but, uh, you know, I, I get I get the, the, the symbolism, I guess, but. Then I went back and read about the plot of Shrek and Lord Farquaad. I'm like, I don't you think see, you hadn't even seen it. I mean, I've seen it, but not enough okay. to like recall everything in detail. <laughs> you, you couldn't. You you hadn't wrote a term paper. On no, I had never written one on that. So, <laughs> but it, it is interesting now. Um, obviously, people are frustrated. Uh, people are angry you know there's plenty of blame maybe to go around um different for different reasons but in some ways a pandemic is kind of like a black swan event you don't you it's can't really not prepare kind for of it. it's not well kind of, it is. yeah it is a black <laughs> swan event hopefully it has to be yeah 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 so in black when you have black swan events i think that it, it really um at least for me it kind of brings into focus how uh, tightly coupled the world is. So oh. in, so in, soft, in, in software <laughs> development, in software uh, development, I knew you we were going to start talking about software development and enterprise architecture. Yeah, exactly. So you know where I'm going. You have this concept of if your code is too tightly coupled, that means different modules or functions have dependencies with other ones um, that can make maintainability really difficult. It can make this idea of refactoring or rewriting the code very difficult. A lot of times it doesn't scale very well. It's easier in many ways and it to makes be you more susceptible to catastrophic break 
It does. Now, the, the, so the question would be, well, why would anyone ever do that? Um, it's more, it makes more logical sense very often to do it that way. You, you can be somewhat more efficient that way. Um, when everything's really tightly coupled. However, you know, software development has really pushed over the last 10 years, especially to try to be loosely coupled and to have what's called tight cohesion, where every module or function only does what it needs to do and nothing more. And sometimes you, when you start building up an architecture up within that paradigm, you call it a service, like a service oriented architecture. Everything's just a service. And it has a defined interface. And, you know, you can think of everything as like a Lego. So if you remove one Lego, it's not the end of the world. You just put another Lego in. And I think right now, just we look at these global supply chain uh, failures. We look at the fact that, you know, we've been a an active player in making China the, the dominant manufacturing world power it is because you know, they're inexpensive. And so it's like, we want to buy cheap products. And yeah, every now and then you get some good old boys that'll buy American at Home Depot or whatever. But most people just want the best product for the lowest price. And that's those kinds of things have been coming out of China for a long time. And now it's just, I think it's going to shake people up a little bit and be like, but there's a cost to that. And I think, you know, the NBA realized there's a cost to making your entire you know, strategy and growth and execution plan around, ooh, let's, you know, captivate the billion people in China. Um, there could be a downside to that. So I think this, this whole event may, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to make predictions. I don't want to say that it's going to lead us back to some hyper populist, uh, you know, we'll make everything here because there's a lot of efficiencies to globalization. There's a lot, you know, you improve everyone's lot when the people that are good at making a thing make it and the people that are good at designing a thing make it and everyone has a specialization. But that's the world we live in now. And it, it is a little bit frightening how many of us, if, you know, the apocalypse happens, really can't fend for ourselves. And we don't locally have, I mean, does anyone even know how to make food? Or, or I mean, I, I don't know. Jason, where are you going if the zombie apocalypse happens? Whose house are you camping out at? I'm staying home. I'm growing right, my then, own food in the backyard right now. Then who are you inviting over to help you defend your fortress? <laughs> well, that just depends. Jesse Mackey. They Jesse Mackey. <laughs> That's a good because choice. he's a licensed gun dealer. <laughs> That's a good choice. Yeah. All right, Nate, how about you? Where are you running? Are you running down to Jason's house? Uh, are you driving down 61? I don't know. Um. I'm probably, You're from Alaska. You got to know some good preppers out there. I do. I generally see that. This is the stereotype about Alaska is there's a lot of crazy pep preppers, but there are also a lot of total live off the land hippies. And 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 I guess the funny thing is, is a lot of those people meet on. It's almost like it's not a left to right spectrum. It's a circle. <laughs> and they, I guess they meet at the top of the circle. So it swings back around for both of them. But I, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to say I'm a globalist, but I definitely believe in institutions and I believe in democracy. And I just think that, you know, local pragmatism will win out. Uh, I don't believe in anarchy. Um, 
and that's probably myopic of me, uh, but that that that's kind of my worldview. Um, the other side of that being, you know, you you said a lot of things about China. I actually think the opposite is going to happen. I think this whole crisis is basically going to accelerate us being a Chinese colony in twenty years, um, because we're basically giving unlimited, unchecked capital to huge corporations and we've actually just removed i guess they're removing all the tariffs for three months um so it's going to be basically businesses and the chinese government running everything and i just think within 20 years i think if you see the way that we've reacted to this crisis and it's going to get much much worse before it gets better um, versus the way China did, I think they're just going to be eating our lunch. So I, I don't know if we're going to see. So I guess my two different reactions to that don't really jive, but I, it's probably cognitive dissonance on why I, I don't have an answer to your first question other than hope. <laughs> I don't know. I don't well, know you can answer. always make, I mean, you can always make choices not to do business with people, right? So if, like I sent you that article about Can you Mexico. Go? You sure? I mean, you just I mean, there's been a lot of auto manufacturers have decided they're not going to invest in China um because I mean, you got robots basically building cars anyway and they don't need their intellectual property being stolen. So the South Koreans and the Japanese are building plants in America and Mexico. I mean, yeah, it's just, you, can make, you can make that choice. Well, and, and then the logistics it, becomes much easier if you're just shipping parts to be assembled here and then you ship the whole exactly. car within the United yeah. States. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I, that article I sent you, again, I, I hate predictions. This guy's making bold predictions, yeah. so they're useless. But That's also true. But, I'm probably as full of crap as anyone. <laughs> but but what he explained was that um, Mexico Mexicans have a higher um, uh, education um, attain, educational attainment per capita than China, and that they have a very strong skilled workforce, and that you know the the problem is it's just not safe. But if yeah. if if Americans could stop doing drugs and the drug cartels could be Finally, um, you know, if like what the FBI did to the mafia, if like that could happen to the drug cartels and it suddenly became safe to live and work and do business in China, that the investment in could Mexico. in Mexico, the investment there could be you know, outrageous and they would be the most to benefit, um, especially for like the Western Hemisphere, because uh, they could replace a lot of what China does. So that's kind of an interesting thought, too, if. You know, we'd be much more willing to do business. And it, it, it like you said, if you don't have to ship cars on freighters um, through the uh, through Singapore and everything and bring them all the way over here, you can yeah. you can save some money on that, too. Yeah, I, I yeah. The, I mean, all those things are true. And I think you hit the nail on the head. We there's so many variables in play right now that we don't know what it's going to look like. So I my predictions are clearly a little fatalistic. I probably follow that guy I told you about, Matt Stoller, a little too much, who's definitely, you know, anti-monopolist. 
um, talks a lot about how we've taken the redundancies out of our supply chains with all this just-in-time delivery and basically stripping um, any we've we've stripped things down to the barest bones so that there are no redundancies and that we don't have plans in we don't have effective plans in places in disasters and we basically trust the US government to be the insurer of last resort in all these industries and yeah they're doing that but is that also sustainable and then of course he's against big giant capital and big giant bailouts and I mean, but I, I think the answer is nobody knows what the next, obviously people didn't see this coming. So, um, and I, I think it's unfortunately going to get very bad. Um, right now we just passed a hundred thousand infections in the U S and it's, it doesn't seem to be slowing down. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. So well, I'm not getting it from my grocery bags because they're all wiped yeah, yeah. down. With oh, ones. yeah. I heard somebody. <laughs> my, so my old job, they're uh, sterilizing everything with UV lights. Um, oh, cool. Um, so they have a big UV light that they run everything through because they have uh, they do all this file processing. And so on the job, as it goes through the shop. They, it's basically what they call a job bag and it has a barcode on it. You scan and then you put the printouts in there because it is stuff. A lot of stuff still gets printed out because they're, um, proofing, uh, color and, uh, layout. So they have to actually print it out. And, uh, so that all travels with the bag. So what they're doing between all the shifts is, uh, UV scanning or UV light that I guess kills 99% of stuff. Uh, between between shifts, so I was like, "Oh, that's a really good idea. Maybe I need to go get one of those." But if you kill ninety nine percent of like a trillion viruses, have you well, really yeah, killed the viruses? Well, it's <laughs> yeah that that's another discussion, and I'm I'm not enough of a we have if if we can get somebody who's an immunologist on a podcast, maybe we can ask him that question. <laughs> yeah. All right. So with that in mind, that that brings that brings to light the uh, have you seen the the meme going around of post Malone and the and the the picture says post Malone looks like the one percent of germs that didn't get killed by the disinfectant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have not seen that one. So my question is, what's the best? Um, coronavirus memes that you've come across over the last couple of weeks. Oh, God, I don't know. It's so. I there's been some good ones. Oh, there's been a ton of good ones, and I know. So one of the things that I've been talking about, and you are just completely in the dark about, that is the you know media event of the pandemic, and that's Tiger King. And so Tiger King <laughs> is the number one show on Netflix, right? Um, and it is this insane documentary. It's seven episodes. Each episode's about 45 minutes long. And I, I don't know if you, have you heard of it, Jason? Cause I was trying to explain yeah, it to Tom. Yeah, yeah. He just, have you watched any of it? I haven't, but I've seen this guy before somewhere. Okay. Yeah. His um, name is Joe Exotic. Yeah. 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 And he tried to run for president, didn't he? He did. He tried to run for president. He yeah, ran yeah. Yeah. as governor of Oklahoma. And um, 
he but what he is basically is this gun nut country singer homosexual polygamous cowboy who lives in rural Oklahoma and had a tiger zoo with like over 200 tigers in it or not just tigers big cats and exotic animals i think he had like almost 600 exotic animals and insane amount of tigers and this show is about him and his rivalry with this florida conservationist people shouldn't be able to breed tigers lady uh carol baskin and she's a kook in her own right and she has his web show and in the 90s her husband disappeared and of course the theory is that he he ended up in a tiger's stomach <laughs> and so along with that there's this other guy named oh god he he goes by the name doc i got to i got to look him up now but he's also a polygamist in uh south carolina and he has like a 200 person uh Doc Antle is his name, and he has three wives and 200 tigers and a private zoo. And it's all about the story of these guys' private zoos, how they kind of developed over the last 15 or five or six years. This guy just started following all these guys and making a documentary about it. And it is literally the most insane thing you've ever seen. Like, I mean... What did you see the bingo card I sent you, Tom? Yes, that was crazy. What was the, the one about <laughs> testicle themed eulogies? Yes, they're <laughs> so one of Joe Exotic's husbands has a gun accident and dies. And and spoiler alert, I should have spoiler alerted this earlier, but the eulogy is the most insane thing you've ever seen in your life. And this is while literally we're right after this guy's running for president and governor and it's just the most nuts thing you've ever seen in your life and he he yes references his husband's uh family jewels in the eulogy as it is going on and <laughs> like you can't even describe because how, <laughs> how insane this person is like it is he's just nuts and like it literally starts out as he's singing a country song about carol baskin's dead husband and feeding a tiger at the same time pretending it's her husband's body and making a country music video about this it, it's just that insane all the time like it never stops being that nuts it's and it just builds like by the time you're into the sixth episode you're like how much more insane well, when it starts out it says it's basically a phone call with him in prison and you're like, and then it goes five years earlier and then you're following the story up to how he got in prison and you're not sure. And I won't spoil it. You're not sure whether he killed Carol Baskin or not. Like he's talking about killing her like the entire thing. And he's a nutbag. So that has kind of, he's kind of been the cause de rigueur of, uh, social media and media in general for for the pandemic lockdown as everybody has watched this just batch bat crap crazy show 
I, it's just you've got to watch a show, Tom. It's I don't you obviously can't watch it with the kids, but it is just the most nuts thing you've ever seen, and and also hilarious and just so depressingly sad at the same time. <laughs> I mean, all right, a it's second episode of Woman's Arms gets eaten off, and she's back at work in seven days. <laughs> is that crazy? So, so. Every has he sold you, has he sold you me, on the Tiger King, Tom? Yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out for sure. Uh, every <laughs> me, especially now that I'm no longer watching The Expanse. Oh, did it just? You couldn't do it. You couldn't get through I, the season. I just couldn't. It, it was, was just. It was too woke. It was, it was too, too woke. space woke. It was too space woke. It was just. It was so obnoxiously woke. It actually ruined the show. Like, and not even, not like a oh, you know, it'd be like if. It'd be like if you were against Chick Fil A and you went to Chick Fil A and like the it actually the food actually tasted bad. You'd be like, "Well, I, I'm sorry, I I just can't eat here anymore." Like it kind of, kind of. This I'm not about this anyway. And now your food's yeah. not even good. That's yeah. kind of what happened with the, the, the third season. I it jumped the shark a lot. Did you remember my criticisms? Did they kind of ring true? For yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. So just you know, backing up to um. Tiger King. I have to watch Tiger King. I, I gotta go. Yeah. I gotta pull up the Tiger King bingo card. <laughs> well, why are you doing that? So yeah. some of the so funny my memes. my answer to your question is, I literally none of the the pandemic memes can top the Tiger King that. Yeah, that's a fair answer. Um, so I like the ones where people take a picture. And it's at a grocery store line, and there's all these people just stocked, piled high with toilet paper. And then there's a dude holding a six-pack of Corona and a lime. <laughs> I like those. And then, of course, Did there's you see the, the, the... Go ahead. Oh, there's the, there's the one my dad was posting about how he used to spin the toilet paper roll like it was... Uh, on the price is right, and now he's turning it like it's a safe lock. <laughs> and then there's we've the got, we've got Chuck Norris has been exposed to coronavirus. The coronavirus is now in quarantine. Did you yeah. see the one? I didn't send you the one today. It was just a picture of a red balloon <laughs> tied to a sewer grate with a roll of toilet paper on the sewer grate. <laughs> like, uh, you know, the movie It with the clown. Yeah. I thought that one was pretty good. And it was posted by Stephen King, which was the best part. Ah, nice. <laughs> you got any more, Tom? I like... No, there's been a lot of good ones. But Did you see the uh, Quentin Tarantino? About... Oh. Quentin Tarantino and Tenton Quarantino? Tenton Quarantino, yeah. Yeah, nice. I saw that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. How about the, um, the uh, Chinese restaurant delivered food to people? In a box of Corona. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, I like all the ones uh, about, you know, working from home, day 43, get up bright and early, take a shower, put pajama pants on. <laughs> yeah. There's the one that says, like, you know, it was something about, you know, they... They told so many people, you know, you could grow up and change the world. And it's like, 
the one guy that ate a bat at a market actually did. (laughs) 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 It's like, oh, I see the one now. It's a picture of um, what was that? I am legend with Will Smith, the post-apocalyptic movie. You know what I'm talking about? And the the title is it's the same font and everything, but it says I'm going to Costco. (laughs) <laughs> of him with like a rifle strapped to his back through the deserted streets of New York. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. funny. Uh, I yeah, I see okay. that one. I'm going to Costco. Yeah, the You've reboot seen looks the scary. ones that say I'm no expert on COVID nineteen, but this is the cure, and they show a picture of yes. the band, the cure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, the the obvious jokes are the best. Yeah, and the ones where the lyrics to come on eileen get replaced with COVID 19 oh yeah no i was doing that for like a week yeah yeah this episode of black mirror sucks <laughs> there's, there's one with uh like a, one of those you know close-up artist renditions of the virus with and it looks like these little spiky balls or something and there's a there's like a um a uh, college game day sign that just says we want Bama on top of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Woman woman broke into my home, saw the mess, fed the dog, (laughs) petted him and did the dishes and left. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Oh, man. Yeah. Back in my day. There was so much toilet paper, people used to literally string it up in the trees of their enemies. Yep. <laughs> nice. Pro tips for couples working together. Get yourselves an imaginary coworker to blame things on. In our apartment, Cheryl Lee keeps leaving the dirty water cups all over the place, and we don't really know what to do about her. <laughs> <laughs> all 14. Right. I'm absolutely locked in and loaded for a big day of hand washing and looking out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, there's good stuff. So let let's talk some some NBA. Do you think I mean I don't wanna speculate on when we're gonna play, but what did you think about my basically just send everybody to Vegas and have a closed off community for the NBA playoffs idea from from the article today, Tom? So I think it's a great idea. I just think that there's probably so many impediments right now. Oh, I, I don't mean now. I mean when it's time appropriate. Right. So I'm just, I'm whenever I think about stuff like that, where you have like a Black Swan event, and now you're like, okay, well, what now? Um, that's a great idea, you know. But what does the players' union have to say about it? And how, you know, how was that? How will that affect the agents? And how does that affect LeBron's, you know, movie tour? Although that might be on hold now too, with you know. With what, Nate? It was Coronas. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, anytime stuff like this happens, it's just not easy to for a big organization, a big bureaucracy to to make big changes. So, I mean, more power to them if they can figure out a way to do it. Um, but I, I'd be skeptical that they'll do anything other than wait until next season to start again. Um just consider it a lost season, like a strike season or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Think, I don't think they will. I think they'll finish the season. I think. How, though? You just. When you get back together, you have a playoff game or you have a play in game and you maybe you make it three. But what if they can't even try to 
do that until well, I, the summer. I don't, I mean, okay, I don't know. People will be so out of shape. They'll risk injury. There'll be all kinds of issues. Well, sure, but and then it kind of it'll a great it'll run made in... for TV event is the other well, side. It is. Of that. No, I'm not saying it's not a good idea. I'm just saying I, I'm skeptical that they'll try to pull something off versus just saying. Oh, I think they'll throw... absolutely try to pull something off. You're skeptical that they're going to be able to pull something off. So you think they're going to take a whole bunch, like you were saying, they're going to take a whole bunch of out of shape players in June or July and just restart everything? I mean, and just go and see what happens? I absolutely do think that. Yeah, because that's where they make their money and that's what the TV networks are paying for. Hmm. Um, What do you think, Jason? Oh, man, that's tough. I mean, I I think anything they try to do is just going to be an absolute logistical nightmare. and we're so far off from anything being normal again. And that's going to be, you know, I, I heard that baseball's talking about, you know, if they restart or if they begin their season, that they want to send everybody back to spring training for, uh, you know, a two-week shortened spring training. Right, because you don't want pitchers, you know, blowing out their arms because they're in a different right. routine than normal. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I heard uh, Jeff Brantley, the uh, – the uh, radio broadcaster for the Reds was talking about this and said that um, he he was comparing it to the strike season. What was that? Ninety five in baseball. Uh, it was ninety four. No, it was ninety. Yeah, so yeah, ninety four was a strike season. Yep. So he was talking about you know at that time guys could still get together and and train. Guys could get together and practice. You know, you could go throw. Uh, you know, simulated batting practice or simulated games or do these other things. But, you know, now you can't do any of that. So you're going to have to have, I, I'd agree with you, Tom. I don't think there's any way the NBA can say, okay, you know, here we go. We're going to start right back up where we left off in two weeks. I mean, that's going to be, I can't believe that, that the, the players would agree to anything like that. Uh, But here's the thing. The players, they need the NBA to make money and the NBA with no playoffs, their revenues are going to go down sharply. Yeah. They get paid based on the regular season, but their BRI is all based on playing playoff games. I mean, that's where most of the TV money comes and you know, that's the issue. I, I don't know. So are players still being paid right now? Um, no, uh, they got their last paychecks, and then I think they're getting reduced paychecks right now, but I'm not sure. I don't, I don't 100% know the answer to that. Um, I think they have a lot more things in place than other people, and obviously the more wealthy players are, are better set up. You know, they more obviously have a home gym, have a uh, probably have a home basketball court, a lot of them. Um, they can maybe rent a private gym, but it's not everybody has that option. I mean, like I wrote today, I mean, I don't think we'll ever see J.R. Smith in the basketball uniform again. Um, you know, some of these guys that would have maybe been late season additions definitely aren't going to be now. So I I don't know. I But I do think they will definitely try to play the playoffs. I think from everything I've read, there's a big appetite for that, but... I don't know if 
from a timeline standpoint, if that's going to be remotely feasible, I, you know, as we've been talking, I've been hearing you guys' arguments and say, you know, maybe you're right, just given the scope of this. I mean, U.S. has more cases than any country in the world now, and we're just accelerating. So I don't know. I, I hope so. I hope we can. Um, and, and not for mainly just for a sense of normalcy, I guess. Because if we can, it means like things are getting back to normal. So that's that's why I'm hoping for that. And obviously, there are things that are much more important than basketball. But it's also a cultural touchstone, and um, you know, and it is a symbol of hey, things are you know back to normal in the U.S. again if that happens. So, so I don't know. So Facebook just uh, put me in a pickle. What? So I was trying to. While I was ignoring you, Nate, I was trying to thumb <laughs> up my. While I was bloviating, thanks. I was trying to thumb up my sister's story, and she's a doctor, so she's talking about thanks to everyone for social distancing. It's helping us to be prepared for this and whatever. And I tried thumbing it up. Unbeknownst to me, it had already like auto scrolled to the next story on my feed, which is my old boss John, who's probably almost 90 now and he posted a story called the logic behind sacrificing old people for the economy so i just summed up a post that i haven't read whose title is the logic behind sacrificing old people for the economy to my 90 year old boss so then i thought oh facebook if i just hit the like button again it'll like un thumb up it nope it just gives them another like so now i've twice thumbed you up double this liked post it to my 90 year old boss that i haven't read oh my you god you gotta put a comment now that says i i didn't mean I, to thumb this up yeah. yeah well and i'm not even gonna get into that <laughs> suffice to say i'm i'm all about saving as many um and also i think dewine is been among the best leaders in the country on the, the wine, our neighbor. Yeah. hundred percent, yeah. Our yeah. neighbor been fantastic. fellow parishioner. And I think he's offered a lot of sober, non-partisan leadership. Um, that I, and I've been super happy with him deferring to scientists and, you know, trying to make the right call. I thought his decision to postpone the primary was absolutely the right one. And now we all got to vote absentee, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And, to keep people safe. Yeah, but so. the problem with that is you got to send in a snail mail request for. Like, I didn't get to vote yet. Yeah, neither. Uh, did I. And I'm really, I'm really uh, interested in voting um, just for a local perspective. Yeah, so so do we, we have a couple time. big local issues. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even worried so, about the other stuff. It's the down ballot stuff. Right. Yeah, and from what I understand, you have to send in a request for an absentee ballot through the mail. And then that's got to come back to you, and then you have to fill that out, send that back in, and that all has to happen before April twenty eighth. Well, that seems dubious. Hopefully they, yeah. Hopefully there's a better way to do that. I didn't so realize check this that was out, the process. Nate. So watch me tie all of this together. Oh, boom. so <clears throat> so Mike Dewine's daughter Alice is running for Green County Prosecutor. <laughs> And uh, so I don't know anything about her. And is that I, the, ca- the county you live in? Yeah, we live in Green okay. County. So Xenia is the county seat, but it also includes Beaver Creek. Some, you know, Xenia is not really a Dayton suburb. Beaver Creek, Fairborn, 
Bellbrook. Those are all Dayton suburbs. Then you, then there's Xenia. I guess, I don't know. I wouldn't consider it a Dayton suburb, would you, Jason? It feels like its own town. No. Yeah. So, anyway, um, Xenia's the county seat. Cedarville's in Greene County. That's where Mike DeWine lives. Um, Yellow Springs, where Dave Chappelle's from. It's a little hippie town. That's in Greene County. Um, is there a anyway, university so, there? There are lots of universities. So Antioch is in Yellow Springs. Okay. And then really close to my house is a uh, historically black college, um, Wilberforce University. Okay. And then there's also Central State, which is right next to it. And then Cedarville is a university. So there's a, actually a lot of universities around here. <laughs> and if anyone is still listening at this point of the South, no, but anyway, Ohio, I'm going to wrap this yeah. up. So <laughs> Alice DeWine is running for County prosecutor and you know, I'm a big Mike DeWine fan. I always have been. I, I helped Mike DeWine back in 06 when he was running against uh Sherrod Brown. I, me and my dad ran some, we did like a burger burn for him and stuff like that up in Cleveland. So I've always been a big Mike DeWine fan. Um, and like I said, he goes to our, me and Jason's church. So we see him. He's a good he's a good man. So I see like his daughter's running. I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to vote for her, right? And then all these signs are popping up everywhere in my neighborhood for, for someone else. His name's like David Hayes, and I don't know who he is. But I'm like, huh. Is, I mean, I, I would imagine, you know, Alice DeWine's probably like a, you know, Repub- conservative Republican. And I mean, who's David Hayes? Is he like... The Democrat or something, and I'm like, man, did I did I move to the wrong town? Did I move to a Democrat stronghold? <laughs> oh, what the hell happened here? The, the horror, horror, right? <laughs> and uh, but no, it, it, that's not it at all. There's no there's no Democrat that probably stands a chance as the county prosecutor in Greene County. Which side note, I heard that uh, people know not to commit crimes in Greene County for that very reason, so they they do it in Montgomery County. But um. So anyway, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, who should I vote for? So I talked to Jason, who Jason's brother's a cop. And so They're Jason's literally like, well, thinking of changing it to climate change is a myth county. That's, that's, that's how right-wing it is. That's how, that's how conservative it is. Yeah, so, so Jason's brother's a cop. So Jason's like, oh, let me tell you the story. And so, you know, it seems like Alice DeWine, um, based on that story and based on some other things that have come out, maybe uh, – I don't know, high maintenance, trying to use her name to um, to win this, not have maybe really be into it. Um, she she used to be, I guess, in the office and then she kind of quit abruptly. So there's some there's some dirty laundry there. Right. So I hear this. I'm like, oh, well, that that doesn't sound good. Like, that, I don't I don't like the sound of that or whatever. So me and Jason are texting back and forth and he's not coming on real strong, but he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I think that uh, Hayes, is, you know, he's got the backing of the. Um, the sheriff and like he's a veteran and he's a really good guy he's done an outstanding job everyone thinks he'd be great i'm like all right wow i never thought i'd vote against a dewine so then i get a flyer in the mail and it's from alice dewine and her family they're wearing cleveland cavaliers t-shirts so i'm like oh the plot thickens (laughs) pandering yeah and probably knew you were probably targeted yeah, I was targeted. Yeah, they printed out a special one for me. <laughs> but anyway. So so who are you going to vote for? I don't know. I, well, I don't even know how to vote. According to Jason, it's going to be really hard to do. So Interesting. Well, i got to figure that out. I will definitely be voting for, uh, what's Geyer's name? Is it Ron Geyer? 
Ron Geyer, yeah. Yeah, he's got that little shop downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure uh everybody that tuned into the Cavs the Blog podcast is just loving the really? Green County politics. <laughs> well, no, Green someone County. on the blog, someone on the blog. Green who's it that's from? County is the place Ooh. for me. Yeah, who's uh, who's on the blog, Nate? That's from Kettering. I, I don't know. I, I remember he, this, he, but oh yeah, he he commented on our last pod. Yeah, so if I, I, yeah, I'd have to oh look vintage. Vintage I used to night. live in Kettering near Tom, and then yeah, moved to Cincinnati. Been, I, I went and saw the Avet Brothers in Kettering. Oh, at the at, phrase. At the phrase. Yes. Yeah. Melanie used Here's to live the problem, in the, the problem with Alice. Oh, oh, Sorry, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> hot problem Green is, County politics. Action. Yeah, here comes, here, here, yeah, that's right. Here comes the hot take. <laughs> All those flyers, I was getting three flyers a day promoting Alice DeWine for Green County prosecutor, and they're all coming from a super PAC in Washington, D.C. Now, <laughs> dun, dun, uh, why would a what interest does a Washington D.C. super PAC have in the Green County prosecutorial race? It just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I, they're probably from, and I'm a Michael from fan too. Joe Exotic super PAC. Yeah, yeah, could be. Um, and, and that was what ended up being one of the things that he got in jail for was diverting money from his zoo. <laughs> Oh, and here's the best part. There's a guy in the story that shows up in like the fourth or fifth episode, and his name is Alan Coe, and or Alan Lowe, and he literally looks and sounds exactly like low rent Dan Gilbert. Oh, wow. and it is like <laughs> once you hear that, um, it is so you can't unsee it. You know, once you, it's like the COVID nineteen to the tune of "Come on, Eileen." Anyway, anyway, I mean, it's just like Jeff, Jeff Lowe. That's his name, Jeff Lowe. And so, uh, yeah, he looks exact and sounds exactly like polygamous, low rent, tiger loving uh, Dan Gilbert. So there you go. And also everybody in the show, most of the people in the show have been on meth. So that's the other thing. It is. Yeah, you got to watch it. So that's my pitch for the week is Tiger King. Yeah. You got anything to pitch, Jason? I mean, other than not engaging the super PACs in Green County uh, elections. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, David Hayes for prosecutor. <laughs> That's your pitch? That's my pitch. Okay, Tom, anything to pitch? Oh, boy. Um, yes, I do have some things to pitch. <laughs> uh, two things. Uh, Parsec, P-A-R-S-E-C. It is a, um, you could think of it almost like team viewer for multiplayer video games. Okay. So if you've got a PC and you've got emulators and you want to fire up some old, like, like Goldeneye for Nintendo 64. Okay. You can play via social distancing with your friend. All you need is this program called Parsec, which is super low latency screen sharing and it has the added benefit of it feeds through someone else's controller driver to act like it's on your machine. So, for example, let's say I'm on my PC right now. I fire up an emulator with uh, Diddy Kong Racing. Great game. And you've got a controller. like It could be an Xbox, a PlayStation, any controller with an analog stick at your home PC. You get Parsec. You 
you basically do like a team viewer view of my screen and I am now sharing my display with you. Oh, okay. But your controller now looks like a second controller on Windows on my machine. And so we can both play where my machine's the host and you're just like a client. And it's just, it, it, it sounds easy, but they've had things sort of like this for a long time and it never worked because the oh, latencies man. were If I could play Tecmo Bowl, that would be unbelievable. Dude, we can totally play Tecmo Bowl like anytime you want. You, okay. just, you, you, you can even play with the keyboard and mouse. So we can totally do that via Parsec. Great way to, um, you know have some fun with some old friends that you can't hang out with right now because of, uh, because we're all staying hunkered down. Yeah. Wow. So what was your second thing you were going to pitch? Um, what was I going to pitch? Oh, this dumb, uh, game for the Wii called rhythm heaven fever. (laughs) It is so funny. Yeah. It's a rhythm game. So all you do is like, Press the buttons. Think of it like Guitar Hero, but you're just pressing buttons on a Wiimote versus like the guitar. And there's all these hilarious little sketches and and tunes. And you got to like try to press buttons to the beat. It's super charming and funny. And my kids find it hilarious. And so we've been just singing these nonsense songs all day, driving my wife nuts. So if you've got a if you've got a Wii. Check out uh, Rhythm Heaven Fever, and you can you know you can slide into my DMs if you want advice on how to get it, um, or you can just search eBay. But hopefully, people aren't hoarding Rhythm Heaven. I wonder if you can get it on Switch. You have to look in the marketplace. Interesting. Yeah, check it out. It's fun though, or just watch a YouTube video of people playing it. It's just funny to watch. Well, very cool. So uh, stay safe out there, but everybody, and uh, (laughs) if you're still listening. (laughs) and uh you know let us know how you're doing keep us entertained take care of each other and as always go. oh my gosh what or you'd say that nomad's story that he shared was one one? of the funniest because i read the first one but i didn't read the second one the one about him getting handsy with his grand his (laughs) wife's grandma-in-law yeah his 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 grandmother-in-law grandmother-in-law yeah Yeah. nomad on our blog who's um one of our vips for sure (laughs) <laughs> you know, when he was younger, was working these late shifts, and he came home, and he starts getting frisky with the body in his bed. Turns out to be his wife's grandma, who they invited to like spend a week with. Her like that is it. like a great scene out of a comedy. Yeah, and yeah, that would that would be fantastic. Yeah, I feel like you could make a movie out of that guy's life. Oh, no, man. probably, oh, yeah. Nomads, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, you, you, you follow. You know who Nomads is. Yeah, and I'm is. in the middle of uh, David Senator. I don't know if I pronounce it right, but he is also a VIP on the blog. Uh, the, I'm in the middle of his novel, There Seemed a River, and it takes place, I believe, in Northeast Ohio, and, and I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. Um, so I'll also pitch that, which I pitched before, but... Uh, I had put off reading it, but now I'm I'm like buckling down, getting it done. Even though I have to put it down rem- to, that- to go dance with my daughter before dinner, but otherwise, looking pretty good. What were you that saying? That reminds me, Nate. Let, 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 yeah, let me let me do one legit pitch. Uh, good book, handcrafted by Clint Harp. Uh, Clint Harp is a woodworker who left his job, six figure salary, selling medical supplies to forge out and build custom furniture 
uh, with basically zero money. Um, a great story of following your dreams, very uplifting, and in times like this, uh, a, a very, very positive read. Nice. I have, wow. a, I have a friend who did that to make custom pens, handcrafted custom pens. And uh, yeah. So, well, actually, he's not a friend. He's a friend of mine's brother, but I've, I've met him several times. Keep still keep track of him. So. Yeah. Oh, this is so the guy. Familiar this is the guy with, on Fixer Upper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay. he met. If you're familiar with Fixer Upper and Chip and Joanne Gaines. Oh, okay. He uh, he met Chip Gaines at a gas station, and that's how he got involved with them. Oh, And started building tables for them, and uh, his story is a really good story. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yep. I don't, I'd love to hate that show. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I love that show, but it also like drives me crazy too. So, well, I just can't stand Joanna Gaines style. Like I'm just not into that. Yeah. You're not into ship lab. Nope. <laughs> or like yeah. the color she uses. Yeah. And I hate like, if I you think do Airbnbs awesome. at all, like, any house that became an Airbnb in the last five years is just decorated Looks exactly just like that, that style with a giant clock on the wall and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, I Jason, agree. I like the people quick, more than the style. Why don't you really quick give our audience a little overview of, you know, your history and your, how you came and all the types of stuff that you do now? Cause I can see oh why this gosh. book would be near and dear to your heart. Uh, a quick well, do you want to do that, review. or you want to you want to save it for another podcast? Oh, if we could have him on yeah, again, sure. yeah. Let let let's let's tease the next podcast. Okay. We're gonna have Jason on and 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 go through this because we're at an hour thirty six. So there's gonna there's gonna be a revolt in the comment section. Do not bring that guy back ever again. If people haven't revolted yet over Long in the Tooth podcast, they're never going to. Yeah, exactly. There's only uh, one person that revolts, and it's usually at me, so I think you're yeah. safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So we better we better wrap this up and tease the Jason reveal on the next episode of Cavs the Podcast. And as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. And we're out. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.